In the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke is a very, very interesting parable that Jesus gave. gave. Now, you know, Jesus often taught through parables. And you've got to understand, a parable is when a person takes earthly things to teach great spiritual truths. In other words, the parable of the sower that Jesus gave. The people that Jesus was talking to, they knew what seed was. They knew what soil was. And they knew what it was to just sow the seed in the soil so that it would grow and, and bear fruit. And then, of course, he went on and said, well, the seed's the word of God. And the soil is the human heart. So, I mean, they got the message. He took an earthly truth to illustrate a great spiritual truth. But you know, in the 13th chapter of Luke, verses 6 through 9, uh, Jesus, it, it seems to be like a, a kind of an unusual parable. But it has tremendous meaning for us every day, but especially today. Look at what it says in verse six, 6. He spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have, been, I have come searching for fruit on the fig tree and found none. Cut it down. It's only using up the ground. But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year. He says, I know for three years you've been looking for fruit, but, and you'd have every right to cut it down. It, it, it hadn't been fruitful at all. But no, instead, he pleaded for the tree. But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. I'm going to do everything I can to see that it's fruitful. And if it bears fruit, well, it'll just keep right on living. But if not, after that, we'll cut it down. It's interesting that the keeper of the vineyard, he had looked after that tree for three years, and he was disappointed every year. But now, the owner of the vineyard says, look, three years is enough. Let's just cut it down. But he says, no, no. Let's give it one more year. And let's dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, it'd be wonderful. If not, then we'll cut it down. Recently, I was visiting with a person in the hospital room. And as we were talking, his wife said, well, you know, the doctor says he has from six months to a year to live. I said, you know, that's very sobering. And I know that that's the doctor's best opinion and best guess. 
But God, only God knows how long he has. Only God knows if he has six months or a year or longer. I said, but we can pray that God would give him quality of life and let him live longer than the doctor said. But I thought about it as I looked at that man and talked to him. I said, that's in my heart, that's a very sobering thought. Maybe one more year to live. Well, do you know that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in this parable? And it's all about this fact that uh, we're not guaranteed another day. But he was trying to make us point, point out to us the significance of how we live in 2017. And in wonder if the, the, the physician was saying to you, like the keeper of the vineyard said to this, the owner of the vineyard said about this tree, well, let's cut it down. No, i tell you what. Let's give him one more year. I want to ask you a question. How would that affect you if you knew that you just had one more year? What if the doctor had said to you, on the six months probably on the outside a year? How would that affect your life? Would there be any changes you would make in your life? Is there anything that now is kind of on the back burner that would become a sense of urgency in your life? I feel sure that it absolutely would. You know, some people say, well, as they get older, I wouldn't know anything about that. As they get older, they say, well, they're going to have a bucket list, but they wait so old that there's a hole in the bucket. They don't have the strength to do what they've been planning on doing. But, you know, I, I want us to look at this parable. In light of this, let's make it personal. If I had one more year, what changes would I want God to make in my life? What would I want to see happen to make this the most fruitful year of the life of that I've ever lived. Now, I, I, I want to see kind of the truth Jesus is saying here. All right, who's the owner of the vineyard anyway? Who did that tree belong to? Of course, it belonged to the owner. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. Every one of us belongs to God in this way. See, God is the owner of the vineyard. However, he is the owner of the vineyard in this sense, and every one of us, he is our owner in the sense of creation. Now, we are all created by God. And the amazing thing, we were not an accident. We were all created in his image. No, when God created man... He'd created the, the, the universe, the animal kingdom. Then he said, let's make man in our image. 
And he made man in his image because God desired to have fellowship with those who were created in his image. And so in this sense, every person belongs to God in the fact that he is their creator and they're responsible to him. And God has a right as your creator to expect something out of your life. In fact, he wanted you to be an extension of his life. Let's make man in our image. An expression of his character after our likeness. And an exhibit of his power. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. So God has, I don't want to say a right, but he is God and he created people in his image. And he has every, all authority to expect those he created to be fruitful. However, that doesn't happen because Adam sinned. And from Adam, everybody that was born since Adam, except Jesus, was born with a sinful nature. Everyone except Jesus, who was conceived in the Mary by the Holy Spirit, every person since Jesus, since Adam, except Jesus, had an earthly father and therefore inherited from Adam a sinful nature. Jesus was the son of man who had no sinful nature because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. But so, so while everyone is a, belongs to God by creation, only those, now you've got to get this, it's very important. Only those are his, that are his children are those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That everyone belongs to God in a sense that he's their creator. But because of sin and the way it affected the human race, it is only those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and come to know him as their Lord and Savior through repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Only those are the children of God. Now, I'll show you that clearly in the Bible. In the first chapter of John, verse 10. Now, listen to this. He was in the world, a created world. The world was made by him, but the world didn't know him. Talking about Jesus. He came to his own, the Jews. But his own did not receive him. But now here it is. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the power to become children of God. Oh, not everybody is a child of God in the, in the spiritual sense. As many as received him, Christ, to them gave he the right and the authority or the power to become children of God. Wait a minute, even to those who believe on his name. Then the next verse is very, very awesome. It says here, he said, Now as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Look what it says. Who were born not of blood. You do not become a child of God through faith by human birth. It's not by blood. You're not born a child of God by faith. You're not born that way. Somebody says, well, I was born into a particular church, and that made me a child of God. No, it didn't. Who were born not of, the, who were born not of blood, 
You're not, you're not a Christian just because your parents are, may have been Christian. You have to make a choice. Who were born not of blood, look at the next thing, nor of the will of the flesh. There was nothing you could do or to, to make yourself a child of God. See, it's a spiritual birth. That's why Nicodemus, Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You had a physical birth, but, but that's not enough. You've got to have a spiritual birth because you're spiritually dead. And so this verse is saying that we're born not of blood. That's not the way we become a child of God. Nor of the will of flesh. There's nothing we can do in our own power to make us a child of God. Nor the will of man. Hold on a minute. There's nothing organized religion can do to make you a child of God. So you're not born, uh, who were born not of blood. Your physical birth doesn't make you a child of God by faith in Jesus. There's nothing you can do, the will of your flesh, to make you a child of God. You you cannot work your way into being one of God's children. And there's nothing uh, the will of man, organized religion, can do to make you a child of God. And so we need to understand that God is the owner of the vineyard. And that if you, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are a tree that God has planted in his vineyard. Now, it's interesting that um, the Bible talks, talks a good bit about uh, trees and about fruit. For example... God expects, see, so the owner of the vineyard came by, looked at this tree, said, for three years it has not been fruitful, cut it down. The keeper of the vineyard said, no, give it one more year. And if it's fruitful, we'll, it'll be okay, but if not, we'll cut it down. Well, Jesus had something to say about trees and fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20, Now look at what Jesus said. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Or can a bad tree bring forth good fruit? Every tree, now now listen to this. (laughs) It it, it goes right on into this um, parable he says every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire therefore by their profession you shall know them that is not what that says by their denomination you shall know them that's not what it says by the people that hang well i'm not going there therefore by their what say it fruits you will know them. Well, I know God, but you got bad fruit. That's all you got in your life. Doesn't, make, doesn't line up with Scripture. It says, therefore, you, by their fruit, you will know them. And so Jesus was using an analogy. Everybody knew what a, a, a bad tree when it had bad fruit. He knew a good tree when it had good fruit. But he, he's pointing out the fact that God is the owner of the vineyard. And if you are a child of God, you were planted by God in his vineyard, let's call it the church, and that God has every right to expect you to bear fruit. 
He has every right. And so notice what Jesus said about that in John 15, 5. You need to read the whole chapter of John 15 because it gives you all this clear understanding about trees and fruit and all that stuff. But I'm just going to take a couple of verses. He said, now listen to what Jesus said. I am the vine. You, this is God's children, through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. I am the vine. You are branches. If you abide in me, that means you trust in, rely on, cling to, surrender to. In other words, if you abide in me, as Brother Ed was talking, we want to be for Jesus, we want to be more and more and more abiding in Jesus. Because he is the vine from which our life comes. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me, you rely on him, you trust in him, you cling to him. He's your life. He who abides in me and I in him is going to bear much fruit. Oh, for without me, you can do, say the word, nothing. And so it goes on and says, Uh, In in the next verse, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Boy, I love this. If you abide in me, Jesus said, if you trust in, rely on, cling to, surrender, let me be your strength and your life. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire because you're always going to want what he wants. And it shall be done for you. Okay. So God's very patient with his children. And he comes and you're one of his children and he looks at your life. Boy, 2016 wasn't very fruitful. It wasn't very fruitful in Bill's life or Joe's. You know. But, But, you know, God's very patient with us. Three years that tree didn't bear any fruit. For three years he kept saying, well, we'll give it another year. But, but the truth is, God has every right to expect fruit, good fruit, in the life of his children. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, herein, herein is my Father glorified. You say, Brother Fred, I want my life to glorify God. All right, well, let me tell you what Jesus said. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. Okay, so God the Father is the owner of the vineyard. Now, let's talk about the keeper of the vineyard. (laughs) The owner said, well, cut it down three years. Now, I, I hope I'm not stretching this theologically. I've wrestled with it. And, uh, but who, who, who in this story is the keeper of the vineyard who pleads for the tree to be spared another year? Well, all I know is this. I'm going to give you two verses. And then you think about it. You see, the, the father and Jesus are one. And the same love that the Father loves us is the same love that Jesus loves us. 
And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are for us and not against us. But in, it says two things about Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Now, I'm talking about the one who said, give it another year. I'll fertilize it. I'll dig around it. He said, there is one God and one mediator, one mediator, who goes between a holy God and sinful man. There's one God, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the media, mediator between us and the Father. I mean, he represents us. He, he presents to the Father the perfect sacrifice he made for each one of us. And how that all of our sins, when he died on that cross and cried, it is finished, were paid for, past, present, and future. So, to me, it's, it, so it, let's say it's Jesus who's saying, just give him one more year. But look, look at what verse 1 John 2, 1 says. It, it takes it a little further. That not only is Jesus our mediator, but he's our advocate who pleads our case. He's our divine lawyer. That's exactly what, the, he's the one, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you do not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, one who pleads our case. What did the keeper of the vineyard do for the tree? He pleaded its case. I know it has had no fruit for three years, but let's give it one more year. And I personally will work on it and dig around it and fertilize it. And Lord, if it doesn't have any fruit after a year, I understand. You cut it down. But look what it says about Jesus. It says, my little children, these things I write unto you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, one who pleads our case, a divine lawyer, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He pleads our case. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation, the mercy seat, the substitute for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, all I know is, the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? But I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ lives in us and that he's our mediator. He's our advocate. And he can constantly hold before the Holy Father. And Jesus is just as holy as the Father is. But he constantly can hold before the Father. I paid for those sins. I died in their place. They're part of the finished work that I completed on the cross. All I know is there was somebody who pleaded the case of, of, the, of the fruitless tree in this particular uh, parable that Jesus gave. Well, now I want to get to the most important part of this message. What if you had one year? Let's make it personal. What if you had one year? And you knew you had one year. How would it affect you? You say, well, I can't, put my, I can't wrap myself around that because, you know, I, I don't know how it would affect me. Well, let's just, let's just think about it. 
if you had one more year, you know, I believe that the thing that Brother Ed talked about earlier, if we knew that we had one year and we're children of God, okay, Christ lives in us, our sins have been forgiven, we're a new creation in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new. I, I believe that um, by the, we, we would just somehow say, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, there are some changes I need to make in my life. Now, I'm not talking about making a New Year's resolution. A New Year's resolution is no more, more, of no more value than the paper it's written on. It takes about two weeks to break them. That's all. We've all made them. And man, we, we'd buy an exercise bike and we'd walk by and look at it the rest of the year. I mean, come on. Oh, no. I, I, don't, I am not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about you... Asking yourself the question, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as I yield to Jesus and surrender to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to take control of my life, what changes need to happen in my life for me to be more fruitful? I mean, I had some fruit last year, but I mean, but, but, but to be much more fruitful. He said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Okay, so you need to ask the Lord, what needs to happen in my life so that I'll be more fruitful? And here's the verse I want you to look at. You need to ask God, spiritually, my goal is to be more fruitful because you're glorified. The more fruit I have, the more glory you get from my life. So, Father, I'm just asking you, by the Holy Spirit to direct me as to what I need to do to be more fruitful. And, and, and here's a promise. Look at it. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. You can't beat that. God says, I'll show you what needs to change in your life. I'll show you what you need to do in order that you might be more fruitful. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Now, boy, this, you could just say, well, I'm just going to take that, that first part of the verse is what's significant. No, no, it isn't. It is significant, but the second part is very significant. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my say it. That means you've got to have your eye on his. If, if you're going to guide me with your eye, i got to be looking in your eyes. I can't be looking here and up there. I mean, I'm not gonna, I don't know if you can go to the right or the left. or. Oh, no. For God to guide you with his eye, your eye has to be on him. Oh, his eye is on you. The Bible says if, his eye, if a sparrow falls to the ground, God knows it. And I love that song, if, if his eye is on the sparrow, he know, you know his eye is on you. And so as we, we think about, well, man, one more year and I need to be more fruitful. So how am I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, going to make the changes that I need to make in order to be spiritually fruitful in this coming year? And he says here, Lord, you will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. You're going to guide me with my eye. All right, okay. Now, I want to talk to you about two areas of your life 
that you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in order for you to be more fruitful. And I believe it's very, very clear in the Word of God. I believe it's already been talked about, sang about. All right. A person asked Jesus, he said it was a certain lawyer, asked Jesus, well, Lord, what, what is the great commandment anyway? What is the great commandment? All right. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Now, let's just look at this. These are the two areas of your life that are more important than any other. You know why? Because it covers all your life. Oh, yeah, you've got to understand. Your life is not about 500 segments. No. Oh, no, 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 no. There are two places. There are two things that everything revolves around. Everything revolves around these two truths. If they're not right, you're not going to be fruitful. If they are right, you will be fruitful. So, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he goes on and says, all right, here's the first one. It's called a relationship. You shall love the Lord your God with half your heart, half your soul, and half your mind. Come on. That is not what it says. Read it with me. Let's read it. Come on. Jesus said, come on, read it with me. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. All right, for you to be more fruitful in 2017, you have to go, have, have a stronger, God has to do a greater work in your relationship and fellowship with him. It starts right there. In other words, we've got to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and so we've got to have our relationship and our fellowship with God right and if we do, we will be more fruitful. But wait a minute. He, he went on and said, this is the first and great commandment. Now, the first one is relationship and fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, um, he said, you know, there, there, there's another great commandment. And that's about the first one's about loving God. <laughs> he said, but you know, the second's about loving people. In fact, you've got to love your neighbor. Well, who is your neighbor? Anybody that God brings into your life. Anybody you have any contact with. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Okay. So now what I want to talk to you about is this. If you're going to be more fruitful in 2017... Let's talk about what changes the Holy Spirit or God can lead you to do in your relationship with Him and your fellowship with Him. All right, there's a verse that we need to uh, look at, and it's this verse right here. If we would judge ourselves, let the Holy Spirit search us and examine us. If we would judge ourselves... We would not be judged. Now, if we'll deal with things in our life that the Holy Spirit shows us, then they're dealt with. But if we don't deal with things in our life that the Holy Spirit shows us, then God has to deal with it. So, 
If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Okay. Here's the first thing I want to ask you about your relationship to God and your fellowship with God. Is your obedience up to date? Is your obedience to God the Father, your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, your obedience to the uh, Holy Spirit in your life, is it up to date? Because everything revolves around our obedience to God. For example, look what Jesus said. If I were to ask you this morning, do you love Jesus? You said, man, who else... Why did I get up in the rain? Why did I come here to, 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 to church? I mean, what are you asking me if I love God? I know that. If I love you, well, okay. But okay, so now, but we want to be more fruitful. And in, in order for us to be more fruitful, our obedience has to be up to date. And so, so Jesus made it clear. He said, now look, if you love me, keep my commandments. You'll obey me. That's the key to being fruitful. Being obedient to whatever God's Spirit says to us. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, man, and look at, look at the, uh, Jesus went on in verse 23. He said, Jesus answered and said unto him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Let me tell you what that means. Obedience. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We'll just dwell with him. If anyone keeps my word, my Father, and I, well, I will love him, my Father will love him, we'll come to him and dwell with him. But listen, it goes on and says, look at this next one. I'm just telling you what he said. He who does not love me does not keep my word. So you really won't know if you love Jesus. The question I'm asking you is your obedience up to date. And the words you hear, he does not love me, does not keep my word, and the words which you hear are not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So if you're going to have more fruit in 2017, you've got to live a life by the power of the Holy Spirit of obedience. Your obedience has to be up to date. Okay, you don't need to put those scriptures up there yet. Your obedience has got to be up to date. Now I want to ask you a question. And it'll be difficult for you to answer this honestly, but I have to struggle with it and answer it myself. Is there any area of my life where I consistently disobey God? In other words, I know what God says, and I know what God has told me to do, but it seems like there are many, many areas where your obedience is, is good, it's up to date, but here's an area that, that you just, you just kind of struggle with because, you know, that's an area of your life that you kind of want to hold on to. And so you struggle about obeying God in that area of your life. Well, now, if, let me say this. If you don't obey Him, and you consistently disobey him, that's called practicing sin. You're practicing sin. Because you know you're supposed to obey him. You struggle with it, and in many areas of your life, your obedience is up to date. But here's one 
where you just are not consistently obeying God. Now, if you're going to be fruitful, that's where you've got to zero in on. That's what you've got to deal with. That's where you've got to ask God to make you willing to be totally obedient in that area of your life. You say, Brother Fred, I don't, know, I, I don't know if I'm willing or not. Well, then ask God to make you willing. But if you're going to be more fruitful in 2000, your obedience has got to be up to date. In other words, you cannot pick and choose what part of God's word you'll obey. You can't do that. And so the question I would say, you, you can be more fruitful if there's an area of your life where you've been struggling in obeying God that you ask the Holy Spirit to change you and to break you and give you repentance and you start obeying God in that area and you will be more fruitful, okay? Without any question. Okay, in John 14, 15, let, let's look at this. John 14, 15 says, uh, if you love, I already read those, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then verse 23, all right, now I'm moving on to the next one, okay. All right, so, number one, if you're going to bear fruit, you've got to ask God to, Holy Spirit to work to you so your obedience will be up to date. Here's the second thing. And boy, this is what God really spoke to me about. Man, and I, I, I feel like he really wants to speak to you about it is. You want to be more fruitful? Now, that other one is important. You've got to start there or you don't start. But you, you need to ask God to give you a passion. A passion. You know what a passion is? You're passionate about something. I mean, it is very important to you. It's not something that's a side issue. You are passionate about it. And so you've got to ask God to give you a passion to know him and to love him. And man, I want to show you two scriptures that always challenge me, always move me, and I could say to you, I want this to be the desire of my heart more than anything else. And I cannot say that it is, but under God, I want it to be. And, and I want it to be for you because if you're going to be more fruitful in 2017, you, you, God has got to give you a passion to know and love him. And here's the first scripture, Psalm 42, verses 1 through 3. All right, it says, to the chief musician, so and as the deer pants for the water brooks, as the deer pants for water, as the deer has a passion for water, as the deer pants for the water brooks, now listen at this, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. I mean, when a deer's thirsty, he has a passion for water. But God, I want to tell you, I want to have a passion for you. Like a deer pants for the water brooks. So I want my heart to pant after you. And look at verse 2, what he says. Man, I pray this for you. I pray this for me. I tell you, this will change us. It will get everything in perspective. It says, my soul thirsts for God. What are you thirsty for? What's the most important thing in your life? What are you thirsty for? He said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? Hey, if we're going to be more fruitful in 2017, we are going to have to ask God to give us a passion, a passion to love and to know God. Put that verse back up on the screen. My soul thirsts for God. Let's read this together. Read it with me. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? And there's a third verse. Look at what it says. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they are continually saying to me, well, where is your God? Then there's another verse on this same way. And it's found in Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Now look, I, I, I want to be more fruitful in 2017. You want to be more fruitful in 2017. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to get our obedience up to date and how to walk in obedience. But at the same time, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a passion to know and love God. And this is exactly what was the heart cry of David. He said, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judea. Listen, look what it says. Oh God, you are my God. My, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now get this. What would happen to each of us if this was true? My soul thirsts for you. God, I want you to know my soul thirsts for you. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Get this. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And then it goes on. I've looked for you, Lord. When I went to the sanctuary, I was hungry for you. I was thirsty. So I looked for you, Lord. When I went to church, I looked for you. I looked for you in the sanctuary because I wanted to see your power and I wanted to see your glory. Man, what a passion. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus while I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. I cannot tell you how strongly I feel about this. Because as your pastor, my desire for me and for every one of you is that we will be more fruitful. And that God will be glorified by the fruit in our lives and the fruit in this church. But I am telling you. We need to cry out to God, oh God, give me a passion to know and love you. Dear God, my soul thirsts for you. It longs for you. My, it seems like we get so preoccupied with the things of this world that we long for everything else and we're, we're passionate about everything else. And somehow in the midst of it all, our passion to know and love God and our passion to know and love Jesus somehow gets crowded out. And put in a corner in our life. Man, that's a need. You know, a couple other things. If you can be more fruitful in 2017, ask the Holy Spirit to show you if your obedience is up to date. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you a passion to know and love God. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you a faithful witness for Christ, as Brother Ed sang in the song, that by our life and our lips... God, I want to be a faithful witness for Jesus Christ. By my life first, because actions speak louder than words. And so, if I want to be more fruitful, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, enable me to be a faithful witness for Christ in my life, in my lips. 
And, and also, enable, uh, Holy Spirit, enable me to be, a, to be more faithful to our, my church, the bride of Christ. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. You know, I never harp on uh, church attendance, you know. I, I mean, I don't do that. I, I don't be, fuss at people when they don't come, and I don't brag on them when they do come. We're just supposed to be faithful, amen? But I tell you what, it's very important for us to get together as the people of God. Look at what it says. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. He who promised is faithful. Let's, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. All right, here's what it says. Why, why do I come on Sunday? You say, you got to, you're the preacher. No, that's not it. Because it's what God told me to do. He said, you better do it, and you better get with your, your brothers and sisters in Christ because the day's coming, buddy, that you better be standing together. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. He said, man, you need to gather with the people of God, and you need to encourage each other because it's, the day is coming. So we ask the Holy Spirit to make us more faithful. Now, I'm going to close this out with uh, just talking about the second thing. I'm not going to take as long as I did with that. And you say, praise God. But here we go. If you're going to be fruitful in 2017, your obedience has got to be up to date. The Holy Spirit's got to show you and you've got to, bam. You've got to ask God to give you a passion to know and love him. Be, ask him to give you the grace to be a faithful witness by your life and your lips. That Jesus is the only way for people to be saved. And that in him there is life. And you've got to ask him to let you be faithful in gathering with God's children. And encouraging one another. But you know, we, we've got to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to show us what we do about our relationship with people. Our relationship with people. And they're really just um, three things. One, in your relationship with others... There are three things I want you to do, just to ask the Holy Spirit to work in you. And the first one is this, that you would walk in love toward others, that you'll walk in love. I mean, I could go and give you a multitude of examples, but look at this verse. Now, see, if I'm going to be, spirit, if I'm going to be, uh, be fruitful and you're going to be fruitful, then we've got to walk in love with each other. And walk in love, how? Even as Christ loved you. You love people with the love of Jesus and gave himself for us, offering him a sacrifice to God and a sweet-smelling aroma. So, Lord, I want to be more fruitful. And so for me to do that, the Holy Spirit's got to give me the power to walk in love just like Jesus walked in love. All right, here's the second thing. In your relationship with people, if you're going to be fruitful, you've got to ask God to enable you more to walk in love toward others. And Jesus loved his enemies. Here's the second thing. You've got to walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32. Boy, I love this. He said, I want you to forgive others just like God forgave you. Though that's a big deal, isn't it? I'm sure glad God forgave me and he forgave me from some pretty big things. <laughs> and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Hey, in, my, in our relationship with other people, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here we are with people. Lord, I want to walk in love even as Jesus loved me. 
gave himself for me. I mean, God, I also, I want to walk in forgiveness just as Jesus, Jesus for Christ's sake, for God, God for Christ's sake forgave me. Boy, you, you're going to have a good relationship with people if you walk in love and you walk in forgiveness. And then there's one other verse. And it's, it's always intrigued me. I know what it is to walk in love. God, we can't do it in our own power, but we choose to love people. Lord, I know what it is. We know what it is to walk in forgiveness. Lord, I choose to forgive. And he gives us the power. But you know what he says in um, Hebrews 12, 14? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now just leave that verse up there. God said, I want you to be, pursue peace with all people. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, uh, obedience up to date. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. It's not complicated. You cannot be fruitful without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't unless Jesus is in control of your life. However, the Holy Spirit will enable you. And I want to encourage you in 2017. When the Father looks at your life, if you make it through another year, he'll say, you know, they were, there's much fruit there. Much fruit. They've been so much more fruitful. And that's my prayer for Luke 4.18. That we'll be more fruitful. Because herein is our Father glorified. That we bear much fruit. You can't do it in your own power. But by the power of God, we can.